Hey guys, welcome to the Bitcoin Fortress podcast, helping you increase your financial freedom. This is episode 69, recorded on June 18th, 2023. This podcast is for entertainment only and is not investing advice, so please do your own homework. All right, we'll start with the market update. Stocks fell slightly on Friday, but still scored strong gains for the week as investors celebrated a pause in rate hikes by the Federal Reserve and steps by China towards strong economic stimulus. Two important inflation measures during the week supported market expectations. The Consumer Price Index report for May showed a year-over-year deceleration in both the headline number and the core CPI figure. Additionally, the Producer Price Index report for May came in with the headline number falling more than expected on a month-to-month basis and trailing the consensus on a year-over-year basis. Finally, the number of Americans filing for weekly jobless claims came in higher than anticipated, suggesting that cracks had begun to appear in what has been a highly resilient labor market. Investors chose to overlook the Fed's signal that further rate hikes are in the offing, Instead, expecting the central bank will have to end its aggressive tightening cycle sooner rather than later. For the week, the Dow Jones average rose 1.3%, the S&P climbed 2.6%, the index's fifth straight weekly gain, and its best performance since March. And the Nasdaq composite jumped 3.3% for its eighth winning week in a row. The S&P and Nasdaq hit their highest levels since April 2022 this week. Looking ahead, Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell will be in the spotlight next week with appearances on Capitol Hill in front of the House Financial Services Committee and the Senate Banking Committee. Powell's testimony will supplement the release of the Fed's semi-annual monetary policy report. Investors will also be watching to see if the momentum rallies for highly shorted stocks can extend. Over the last week, the stocks with more than 20% Short interest in, of total float that showed big rallies included Nikola, Ehang, Carvana, Workhorse Group, Heisen Motors, Cypher Mining, C3AI, Virgin Galactic, Zentalis Pharmaceuticals, and Upstart. All right, moving into the Bitcoin news of the week. So the first one here is from Bitcoin.com. is kind of a recap of uh, several... Uh, items from the week. Articles entitled Warnings of Regulatory Siege, Binance U.S. Asset Freeze Averted, Schiff Says Fed Destroyed U.S. Banking System, and more in the week in review. Um, John Reed Stark, founder and former chief of the Office of Internet Enforcement of the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, has warned about a new regulatory siege against crypto platforms. Stark believes that crypto trading platforms are high-risk, perilous, and inherently unsafe, and recommends investors exit all crypto exchanges. Hmm, I wonder what made him think that. Uh, Next up here, a judge in Washington decided to give Binance U.S. and the Securities Exchange Commission time to work out a deal to avoid the freezing of the exchange's assets after the SEC sought a temporary restraining order. I think we talked about this last week, and uh, 
in the past, it's been highly unlikely that judges would grant that. And that certainly ended up being the case last week. It says the two sides have since reached an agreement, and I will go into that more later. Economist Peter Schiff says the U.S. banking system is insolvent. He stressed that the Federal Reserve destroyed the U.S. banking system, citing near-zero interest rates at banks while the Fed funds rate is 5.25% and the real inflation rate is much higher. Schiff previously warned that the U.S. banking system is on the verge of a much bigger collapse than 2008. <clears throat> Brian Armstrong, CEO of Coinbase, the largest U.S.-based cryptocurrency exchange, explained how negotiations reached a standstill with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. In a recent interview with the Wall Street Journal, Armstrong detailed the changes in how the SEC approached securities regulation and how the exchange has tried to work with regulators since day one. Next up is an article from Crypto News. This was published on June 15th. Articles entitled HSBC, Standard Chartered, and Bank of China Pressured by Hong Kong to Embrace Crypto Exchanges. Will this be the next crypto hub? Hong Kong's banking regulator has reportedly exerted pressure on banks, including HSBC, Standard Chartered, and Bank of China, to engage with crypto clients. During a meeting last month, the Hong Kong Monetary Authority questioned why the banks had not accepted crypto exchanges as clients. The Financial Times reported, citing people familiar with the matter. The HKMA told the banks that due diligence on such potential customers should not create undue burden, particularly for those setting up an office in Hong Kong to look for the opportunities here. Though banks have not banned crypto clients, they may be reluctant to accept exchanges on the basis that they could be prosecuted if the exchanges are used for illicit purposes. HKMA encouraged the banks to not be afraid, the FT report said, citing a person familiar with the discussions. Quote, there is a resistance from a conventional banking mindset. We are seeing some resistance from senior executives at traditional banks. The call for increased involvement in the crypto industry follows Hong Kong's move to establish itself as a major global center for crypto, despite high-profile and damaging crashes such as that of FTX. Pro-Beijing lawmaker Johnny Ng has invited exchanges such as Coinbase to set up in the city despite recent legal action against some of the world's largest crypto exchanges by the United States Securities and Exchange Commission. Banks are now being forced to strike a balance between supporting crypto while also heeding concerns over anti-money laundering and know-your-customer regulations. One senior executive stated that banks are having to tread a fine line between, on the one hand, getting encouragement to support crypto and exchanges, but on the other hand, being aware of the U.S. situation. While Hong Kong's history as a crypto center suffered in the wake of a crackdown by Beijing, the government has recently shown a clear desire to rebuild its position as a hub for the industry. Earlier this month, the city's financial regulator implemented its new regulatory framework for crypto on the 1st of June. Under the new rulebook, the city-state will allow retail investors in the city to trade specific large-cap tokens on licensed exchanges given that safeguards such as knowledge tests, risk profiles, and reasonable exposure limits are put in place. The Securities and Futures Commission of Hong Kong will also start providing licenses to crypto exchanges. However, 
Not everybody is optimistic about Hong Kong's new crypto rules. As reported, crypto pioneer Bobby Lee, who set up China's first Bitcoin exchange and founded U.S.-based crypto storage provider Ballet Global, has warned that Hong Kong's ambition to become a crypto hub might not be sustainable. Lee claimed that officials who let exchanges obtain a license may have overblown expectations for connecting with mainland China as a digital asset trading remains banned in China. This is a quote, the fantasy for exchanges is thinking that if officials let us get a license, then maybe they'll start a sort of crypto connect trading link with mainland China. He predicted that the city might once again change its stance toward crypto in three to five years and announce a ban on the industry. Uh, so anyway, interesting and perhaps a bit bullish uh, since um, obviously they see what's happening in the US and, and then there's an opportunity there uh, to get some companies to, to locate there, but it could be a rug pull because it is China after all. Uh, next up, this is from Bitcoin Magazine. This is uh, an article dated June 12th. U.S. court dismisses BitGo's lawsuit against Galaxy Digital. A U.S. court has dismissed the lawsuit filed by BitGo against Galaxy Digital in relation to a failed merger previously agreed to in 2021. In the company's response to the terminated merger agreement, BitGo had alleged that Galaxy Digital failed to uphold their end of the bargain, <clears throat> saying the company intends to hold Galaxy Digital legally responsible for its improper decision to terminate the merger agreement with a lawyer representing the company adding that either Galaxy owes BitGo a $100 million termination fee as promised, or it has been acting in bad faith and faces damages of that much or more. At the time of termination, Galaxy Digital cited BitGo's failure to deliver audited financial statements for 2021 that complied with the requirements of the agreement. According to court documents released in June 9th, this was a valid basis for the decision to end the merger, and it effectively voided the termination fee. We're pleased with the court's decision to dismiss BitGo's claims. A statement made by Galaxy Digital on Twitter read, Now is the time for all of us to work together and focus on the task at hand, upgrading the global financial system in a manner that promotes innovation and protects investors and consumers alike. Just last week, it was announced that BitGo reached a preliminary agreement to acquire its primary U.S. competitor, Prime Trust. Although the details of that merger have not yet been made public, the industry had widely speculated in recent days that Prime Trust faced financial troubles. As such, the agreement has, seen, has been seen as a relatively good thing, avoiding what many thought may be a coming failure of another large firm. Next up, uh, this was from Coindesk, and uh, this article is dated uh, June 16th, and this um, follow, falls on in a little bit more detail to what we talked about earlier. Article is entitled, Judge Signs Off on Binance SEC Deal to Move All U.S. Customer Funds Wallet Keys Back on Shore in Lieu of Restraining Order. A federal judge signed off on a temporary agreement between the U.S. Securities Exchange Commission, global crypto exchange Binance, and its U.S. affiliate to have Binance U.S. take steps to ensure only local employees can access customer funds as the regulator and companies work through an SEC lawsuit. 
The parties announced a deal late Friday to ensure that only Binance U.S. employees can access customer funds in the short term, which Judge Amy Berman Jackson of the District Court for the District of Columbia signed early Saturday. The judge also ordered the parties to begin proposing timelines for the broader lawsuit. According to the proposed agreement, Binance U.S. will take steps to make sure that no officials from Binance Holdings, the global exchange, have access to private keys for wallets or hardware wallets or root access to Binance U.S.'s Amazon Web Services tools. The U.S.-based crypto trading platform will share detailed information about its business expenses, including estimated costs, in the coming weeks. The proposed deal responded to an SEC motion to freeze all of Binance U.S.'s assets while it pursues the exchange on securities-related charges. The regulator said it was not concerned that funds could be moved offshore or records destroyed. Sorry, that it was concerned that funds could be moved offshore or records destroyed if it was not granted a temporary restraining order. Binance U.S.'s attorneys pushed back, saying that freezing all assets would amount to the death penalty. Judge Jackson told the parties that it would be better for them to come to an agreement on a proposed stipulation than to have her craft a restraining order, which would come with a two-week time limit. Two weeks would give insufficient time to prepare, given the more than 4,000 pages of exhibits the parties have already filed, she said during a hearing earlier this week. Other provisions in the proposed agreement will see Binance U.S. create new crypto wallets that global employees have no access to, provide additional information to the SEC, and agree to an expedited discovery schedule. U.S.-based investors will still be allowed to withdraw funds during this time. The proposed agreement will address some of the SEC's stated concerns as the broader lawsuit it filed works its way through the judicial system. The SEC sued Binance and Binance U.S. last week on charges of offering and trading unregistered securities, but also alleged massive commingling of funds and other poor practices. The proposed agreement does not delve into the broader suit. In a press release, SEC Director of Enforcement Gerber Grewal said, given that Changpeng Zhao and Binance have control of the platform's customers' assets and have been able to commingle, customer assets or divert customer assets as they please, as we have alleged, these prohibitions are essential to protecting investor assets. Further, we ensured that U.S. customers will be able to withdraw their assets from the platform while we work to resolve the alleged underlying misconduct and hold Zhao and the Binance entities accountable for their alleged securities law violations. On Saturday in a tweet, Binance U.S. said, This fight has damaged our business and our reputation, but not our fighting spirit or our resolve to defend ourselves against unwarranted charges. In a statement also shared Saturday, a Binance spokesperson said, Although we maintain that the SEC's request for emergency relief was entirely unwarranted, we are pleased that the disagreement over this request was resolved on a mutually acceptable terms. User funds have been and always will be safe and secure on all Binance-affiliated platforms. So kind of an interesting development there with Binance. Next up, pretty big news this week. Uh, This one is from Bitcoin.com. was updated a couple days ago. Article entitled, BlackRock Files for Bitcoin Trust. Analyst calls it a real deal. Spot Bitcoin ETF filing. 
The world's largest asset manager, BlackRock, filed for the registration of iShares Bitcoin Trust, or the Trust, with U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission on Thursday, despite the regulator's ongoing regulatory crackdown on the cryptocurrency sector. <clears throat> According to BlackRock's filing, the assets of the Trust consist primarily of Bitcoin held by a custodian on behalf of the Trust. The Trust seeks to reflect generally the performance of the price of Bitcoin. The trust was formed as a Delaware statutory trust on June 8th, the asset manager explained, adding that BlackRock Fund Advisors is the trustee of the trust and Coinbase Custody Trust Company is the custodian for the trust's Bitcoin holdings. The sponsor of the trust is iShares Delaware Trust Sponsor, a Delaware limited liability company and indirect subsidiary of BlackRock, Inc. The trust issues shares only in baskets of 40,000 or integral multiples thereof. The filing further details adding baskets may be redeemed by the trust in exchange for the amount of Bitcoin corresponding to their redemption value. Moreover, BlackRock stated individual shares will not be redeemed by the trust, but will be listed and traded on NASDAQ. <clears throat> Many people view BlackRock's filing as bullish. For the entire crypto sector, some have argued that the largest asset manager's filing for a Bitcoin trust is actually a filing for a Bitcoin exchange-traded fund, which the SEC has not yet approved. So far, the securities regulator has rejected all filings for spot Bitcoin ETFs. Some people were also surprised that BlackRock is seeking to offer a Bitcoin product using Coinbase as a custodian when the SEC is cracking down on the crypto industry and has filed charges against Coinbase for securities law violations. On-chain Capital co-founder Rand Nooner tweeted, Did BlackRock really just apply for a spot Bitcoin ETF using Coinbase, a U.S. company that the SEC claims is actually an unlicensed securities exchange operating illegally? Several individuals drew comparisons between BlackRock's Bitcoin Trust and Grayscale's Bitcoin Trust, or GBTC. Grayscale has been actively seeking to convert its Bitcoin trust into a Bitcoin ETF, but the SEC has rejected its filing so far. DigiBuild CEO Robert Salvador opined, "There's no different. There, this is no different than the Grayscale. This can be used to short Bitcoin into the floor. This is a Trojan horse, not a real ETF. Don't be lulled to sleep." Cardano enthusiast Chris O described BlackRock as a trust, but you can redeem it. So effectively working the same as an outright spot ETF, probably packaged this way to justify their undoubted approval. Eric Balkunas, a senior ETF analyst for Bloomberg, explained, to all those saying the BlackRock filing is a trust and not an ETF, do you consider GLD to be an ETF? Well, this is the same thing. Lots of structures under ETF umbrella, nothing like GBTC. This is the real deal. He stressed, and quote, yes, this is a trust, but so is every other physical commodity ETF like GLD. Same structure. This is a real deal spot ETF filing by versus GBTC. Venture coinists Luke Martin noted, SPY and uh, GLD are good comparisons here. Both are ETF structured as trusts. Same thing here. Key difference is it's redeemable, unlike GBTC. Congressman Patrick McHenry, Republican from North Carolina, has been pushing SEC Chairman Gary Gensler to provide regulatory clarity for the crypto sector and has repeatedly criticized him for his enforcement-centric approach to regulating the crypto sector, emphasized the SEC must not pick winners and losers based on inconsistent factors. 
I'll be watching this closely. Benek advisor Gabor Gerbach tweeted, <clears throat> there are were a number of earlier spot Bitcoin ETF applications. Approve the active filings in order of first filing. That would be fair. But who are we kidding to expect fairness? So this is, a, again, pretty big news. Um, would certainly open the door to uh, once, assuming this gets approved, which a lot of people are, are thinking that that seems highly likely since they have a track record of, I think, approving. I think they filed something like 575 different ETFs, and they've only been denied once. So that's a pretty good track record. And then assuming this gets approved, then a whole bunch of other ones will follow because they'll just follow the same structure. Uh, and so then that really opens the door for institutional money to flow directly into Bitcoin um, as opposed to these inferior uh, futures-based products, which uh, really aren't good because of the, uh, uh, you know, the use of the futures uh and then, you know, when they sort of uh, burn off, you know, you, you can kind of get a situation where you're you're underperforming the actual asset because of the cost of managing the the uh, the futures contracts within the trust. And they also charge fees on top of that. So everybody's really wanted a, a physical uh, ETF. They're, they exist outside of the country. Canada has them. I think they're in other countries as well. Uh, but not so far in the U.S. So uh, some people think it's bullish. Other people say it's, you know, they're trying to capture the, the market so they can manipulate Bitcoin like they manipulate gold. Uh, maybe, but uh, I don't know. For me, I'd rather just hold my Bitcoin in my hardware wallet. And, um, you know, but for institutional investors, they, they can't really do that. It's too complex. Uh and uh, it's a lot easier for people to buy if they want to get Bitcoin exposure to buy it in a brokerage account. And right now there's the only option is GBTC, which trades at like a, I think the discount's actually gotten better. It was 50%. Now I think it's like 40% to the actual price of Bitcoin um, that's actually held in the trust. Um, but it's got a 2% management fee, which isn't great. The other option would be investing in MicroStrategy, but that, you know, against a company and there's risks associated with investing in companies, but uh, there at least, um, you know, you're not paying a fee because you actually own a stock. <clears throat> but other than that, uh, or if you, you know, if you have an offshore account, I guess you could buy a Canadian Bitcoin physical ETF, but there's really no, no way for U.S investors in their brokerage accounts to get exposure to, to Bitcoin. So this will, I think, open the floodgates and probably will coincide nicely with um, maybe the pause and, and uh, with the interest rates and then also the, uh, the halving that's coming up next year. So it should be real interesting. But the timing is really unusual given all the enforcement actions. And it's almost like they're trying to knock the competition out uh, and then, you know, give it to the big banks. Um, I don't know, maybe a conspiracy theory. Next up, uh, this one is from Crypto Slate. Uh, and this was published on June 17th. Uh, Bitwise refiles for Bitcoin spot ETF following BlackRock. 
so uh, the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission rejected a previous Bitcoin spot ETF application from Bitwise in June of 2022, so about a year ago. At that time, the SEC said the Bitwise ETF could not put in place an adequate surveillance sharing, could not provide protection against market manipulation, and could not show that the relevant market was of significant size. However, the SEC said that future applications could potentially meet these criteria, and Bitwise attempted to show that this uh, is the case in its latest filing. Also in the new filing, Bitwise said the SEC should approve, reject, or start other proceedings around its proposed rule change within 45 to 90 days. The application was published by the New York Stock Exchange, but has not yet been processed by the SEC, meaning that the actual deadline is unclear. Bitwise's latest filing follows a June 15th Bitcoin spot ETF filing from the asset management giant BlackRock. That application has prompted optimism due to the fact that the SEC has rarely rejected BlackRock's ETF applications, though some experts suggest that the application is unlikely to succeed. The U.S. SEC has not yet approved a Bitcoin spot ETF and has rejected numerous other applicants within the cryptocurrency and financial industry. Bitwise CEO Matthew Haugen acknowledged the situation in March. There, He said that although he believes the U.S. will eventually approve a spot Bitcoin ETF, there is currently no path forward for companies that want to offer such a fund. Uh, so we'll see what happens. And finally, uh, we'll talk about, uh, this is from Crypto News, and this was published on June 14th, article entitled, Billionaire Michael Saylor says Bitcoin price will, quote, 10x when U.S. regulation path becomes clear. Michael Saylor, the co-founder and former CEO of MicroStrategy, believes regulatory clarity in the U.S. on digital assets would catalyze a surge in the price of Bitcoin. <clears throat> in a recent interview with Bloomberg, Saylor predicted that Bitcoin would increase by 10x in value after the public realizes Bitcoin's true potential. The next logical step for Bitcoin to 10x from here and then 10x again. So he's bullish. Saylor argued that the recent crypto crackdown by the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission is, uh, is, quote, laying the foundation for the next Bitcoin bull run. He mentioned that the Securities and Exchange Commission had categorized some of the most popular altcoins, including Solana, Cardano, and Polygon, among others, as securities. <clears throat> Interestingly, Bitcoin was left out of this categorization, suggesting that it may not be considered a security. Regulatory clarity is going to drive Bitcoin adoption by eliminating the confusion and anxiety that has been holding back institutional investors, the Bitcoin bull said. He added that much of the confusion stems from other crypto securities for which regulators don't see a legitimate path forward in the United States. They have a view of crypto exchanges for which is far constrained. Their view is crypto exchanges should trade and hold pure digital commodities like Bitcoin. In an interview last year, Saylor suggested that every coin that enables staking or uses the proof-of-stake mechanism is a digital security. It has been explicitly stated by the regulators if there's a stake and it generates yield, it's an investment contract, and an investment contract is a security, he said at the time, mentioning that Ethereum is a security due to having an ICO, pre-mine, and management team. 
It's worth noting that Sailor's MicroStrategy is one of the largest public holders of Bitcoin, so much so that many consider it a Bitcoin proxy. The company now holds 140,000 Bitcoin bought at an average price of $29,803 per coin. Last week, the SEC sued both Binance, the world's largest cryptocurrency exchange, and Coinbase, the largest U.S.-based cryptocurrency exchange. The commission filed 13 charges against Binance and its U.S. affiliates, ranging from allegedly operating as an unregistered exchange to operating, offering unregistered securities. The regulator also levied similar charges against Coinbase, claiming it operated as an exchange, broker, or clearing agency without the required registrations. In each case, the SEC noted that several tokens listed by the exchanges are unregistered securities, including dozens of popular cryptocurrencies. These include Binance's native token BNB, Solana's uh, SOL, Cardano's ADA, Polygon's Matic, Filecoin's FIL, Cosmos's Atom, Sandbox's Sand, Decentraland's Mana, Algorand's Algo, Axie Infinity's AXS, and Cody's COTI tokens. In response to the SEC ruling, brokerage firm Robinhood has now delisted Cardano, Polygon, and Solana. So a little bullish take to finish off uh, this week. And I do want to mention, and I'll put links to all these articles in the show notes. Um, and also want to mention this uh, week's blog post. It was my monthly portfolio update. For June of 2023, I'll also put a link to this in the show notes on Substack. Uh, stonks up, Bitcoin down. This wasn't the decoupling that we were looking for. Uh, and that'll about wrap it up uh, for this week. And I forgot to mention this at the beginning of this, but the, today's Father's Day. So happy Father's Day to all those dads out there. Uh, and uh, thanks for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed the show... Please like and leave a comment. Also, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss an episode. You can follow my Substack uh, at bitcoinfortress.substack.com. And you can follow me on Twitter. My handle is at Nick Reichert. Uh, and if you're not already listening to the podcast on Fountain, you should, you should be able to find it on Fountain. And uh, you can earn sats just for listening. That's where I do all my... Um, uh, podcast listening now and uh, stack some more sats that's it talk to y'all later next week bye bye